أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وآتوا النساء صدقاتهن نحلة فإن طبن لكم عن شيء منه نفسا فكلوه هنيئا مريئا ربي شحت صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين I know where I live it's pretty late I think it's over 1 a.m. But I can't sleep, and I was thinking about Surat Nisa during the day. So I found the energy to do at least some broadcast. So here I am. Uh, I'm here in Vayana Studios, and behind me is the eternal black void of contemplation. So, inshallah, I hope you guys enjoy this session. Um, I think it's about something pretty important. Um, and while the thoughts are fresh in my mind, I decided to actually, you know, uh, review some things about this ayah, the fourth ayah of Surat Nisa. So the fourth surah, fourth ayah. Um, and read up a little bit about it in uh, Ibn Ashur's tafsir, At-Tahrir wa Tanweer. And he just said some so many profound things that I figured that I I really want you to know them. And I want to you know be able to summarize them for you uh, so that you can keep them with you. Now, taking it back to the essence of this series, the point of it was to extract counsel and healing for ourselves in the way that Allah speaks to us, that touches our hearts. Uh, and Surah An-Nisa has a lot of Islamic law, right? It has... Um, uh, regulations about marriage and inheritance and you know uh, dealings with orphans and things like that and um, so we often think of law as the halal and haram and the obligatory in our religion and we disconnect it from what what is happening in our lives emotionally and spiritually but the premise from which I'm coming today and, and hope you you and I never lose sight of this is Allah's laws are directly connected to our relationship with Allah spiritually so when we're observing a law of Allah, then it will heal us emotionally and spiritually. There's a guaranteed connection. Um, and when we're when we're violating Allah's law, then it will hurt us spiritually. It will hurt me spiritually. It will hurt me emotionally. There will be consequences. And just like in the physical world, there are consequences, cause and effect, right? Fire burns or gravity pulls down, right? There are, you can observe physical cause and effect every single day in what you do, you and I do, violating Allah's laws have spiritual and long-term cause and effect in our lives. This is evidenced in the Quran over and over again. So as I talk to you about this, I actually want to share this with you because in our families, when marriages happen and you know families come together and a husband and a wife come together, this is a, a, a time of celebration. It's a time of it's an act of ibadah, it's a sunnah of the Prophet And none of it should be in violation of Allah's law Like all of it we should try and make sure is under the shade of Allah's blessing By observing Allah's law in every component of it And one of those components is what's commonly known in the Muslim culture as uh, mahar uh, The dowry And there's lots of words in the Quran for it so uh, interestingly, one of the words I'll, I'll write it here on the screen for you is ajr. Actually, uh, ajr means I'll, I'll wrote, lower it a little bit so you guys can see. Ajr is compensation, and ajr is earned compensation. Actually, that's Allah's way of saying that the mahar is not something that is um, extra; it is deserved by the wife. So the, the marriage gift, which we call dowry in many cultures, is actually 
mandated. That's why it's called ajr. And in describing it, you know, as an obligation. So the word faridah is used on top of that. And ajr is already a faridah, but Allah goes out of his way to say it's absolutely mandatory for a man to give it. Then the reason I brought this up from Surah An-Nisa is that Surah An-Nisa begins by having taqwa of Allah. Then it says, Give orphans their money. Meaning if you're raising an orphan or you know an orphan left assets behind and you were taking care of them, now the orphan is old enough. You need to give them what was theirs. You can't usurp their wealth because they're, they're a group of people in society that nobody will look out for. So Allah is looking out for them and saying, and if you violate the orphan's rights, then you are committing a massive crime. So immediately after the opening of Surah An-Nisa where Allah says, have taqwa of Allah, he told us that one of the most important places to have taqwa of Allah is the orphan, right? And then right after that, this is now the fourth ayah, he starts talking about giving women their dowry. So the question arises, why? Like the, the first ayah of Surah An-Nisa told me, arham uh, have taqwa of Allah and have taqwa of the relationships that are connected with the womb. Allah says, me having taqwa of him is directly connected to me being mindful of all the relationships that are tied to the womb. And look at how beautifully the next thing Allah does is he talks about people who have been severed from the connection of the womb, whose parents have died, right? So they don't have the connection of the, the arham. So we have to go out of our way and protect them. And then he talks about the female, the woman, the wife. Why? Because she's disconnected as a family from the relationship of her womb. We took her from, the husband took her from her parents, her relationship with the womb, and brought her into his household. So you have to go out of your way to protect her. And then, of course, with the wife, there's going to be a child. Or there's, a, there's the, the opportunity for children, which is a connection of the womb. So honoring the wife is part of an extension of the taqwa of Allah. And it's an ex, it, within the, 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 the ayah, وَاتَّقُوا الْأَرْحَامِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَأَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامَ Meaning, be mindful of the, the relationships of the womb. So now a few things that, just let me translate this first part of the ayah for you. And give women their marriage gifts. Uh, and nihlatan actually means easily. Give effortlessly. Give them their marriage gifts effortlessly. This is the commandment from Allah. Here are a few things that Ibn Ashur says. I highlighted them in this, this paper I got with me. Because I really didn't want to miss any of them. So I want you to hear them and hear them with an open heart. Uh, first of them, uh, He says, before Islam, there were two groups that were especially um, abused. Like their weakness was exploited. And those were the orphan and the woman. In other words, if that ever happens again, then we're back in the age of jahiliyyah. And if you and I are uh, culprits of that, then we're engaged in jahiliyyah. That's one thing that really hit me hard when, as, you read, as I read it. And, and, and that's why the Quran, it seems is so like zealous. The Quran is so, you know, aggressively highlighting these two groups above all else with such intensity. So the rights of the orphan and the rights of the, of the wife have been immediately highlighted, the financial rights of the wife, starting with the dowry. Then he says, فَقَوْلُهُ آتُ atfun. He says, when Allah says in the fourth ayah, give, uh, give women, that's actually an extension of where he started previously by saying, give the orphans. So just like in the Quran, you know, if violating the financial rights of an orphan is the same as eating fire into our bellies. 
Those who eat the monies of the orphan are the, are eating fire into their bellies, right? And he now connected the rights of the orphan with the rights of uh, uh, of the of the wife and the dowry. So it's a pretty serious thing. It's not to be taken lightly, right? Then he says, This is where things get heavy, guys. He says, who is Allah saying give women their, you know, uh, their gifts? He's saying commandments like these are directly addressed to all those whom it applies to. So it's not just the husband. It's sometimes the husband's family or even the girl's family, the guy's family and the girl's family. Because I'll, I'll skip ahead and tell you before Islam, Arabs had a certain culture previous to Islam. They had this thing called hilwan. This is not in the Quran. The Quran is actually against this word, hilwan. And this was a, a gift to the girl's family. Uh, girl's family. So when the, the guy took the proposal, they said, What's, where's, our, where's our hilwan? Right? And then when they got it, the, the father got it, the mother got it, whatever, whoever got it. A small piece of that would go to the girl, but the family of the girl would hold on to much of it. Like, what are we going to get out of it if we give you our daughter? Right? And Islam came and crushed that and said, no, give women all of it. Your, the family doesn't get anything. The girl's family gets nothing. Now, what's happened in, in many South Asian cultures, for example, forget Hilwan where the girl's family gets something. It's the guy's family. So forget giving the girl dowry. Now we want dowry for the boy. So the boy's like this treasured asset. The, boy, the, the man's a treasured asset. And the girl's family comes. We'd like to marry daughter. Oh, yeah, well, you need to get us a new fridge and a, a car and this and that. This is like... It's not even against Sharia. It's the opposite of the law of Allah. It's the opposite, and we're we're not even messing with something small. We're messing with something extremely sacred. That practice needs to come to an end immediately because you're just you're you're, you're invoking Allah's rage. Because this, this these commandments did not come casually. They came in in the guise of having taqwa of Allah. Like that practice is the extreme opposite of the taqwa of Allah. It's extreme defiance of Allah's law. So anyway, so he says something else. He says that sometimes this ayah also includes those who create obstacles in the in the woman receiving her dowry. So what does that mean? It means that let's you know what, what we do in, in many cultures is the dowry is like an outrageous number. It's a crazy oh it's a hundred thousand dollars or it's you know a house or whatever some crazy crazy number, and the guy clearly can't afford it, but you know he'll agree to the number anyway because it's just something you say. Nobody's going to take it seriously. And then if the if the woman later on even asks for it, then come on, I'll, inshallah, yeah? So you just kind of, you push it off. And I've even seen crazy practices where the girl's given jewelry at, on the day of the wedding as dowry, and then the mother-in-law comes and takes it back and says, no, that's for our daughter when she gets married. <laughs> like you just got to hold it to take pictures. And you're, you're, you're playing with Allah's law. And it's such a deep violation because that it's the same as robbing an orphan of his money. It's the same crime. That that's what I wanted to highlight here. But the, I told you there are spiritual consequences, right? So when we want our marriages, there's so many du'as made for people, for couples that are getting married, and there's like barakallahu lakuma wa baraka alaykuma wa jama'a bil khair. You know, may Allah shower you with blessings for you and over you and reunite you with, with you know with goodness. When you start by removing all goodness from the equation because you violated the taqwa of Allah, you know, 
then then where's the goodness in that marriage going to come from? It, that marriage is only going to have drama and suffering and you know health issues and social issues and psychological. You're creating all those issues for yourself because you're shutting down the doors of barakah in your life because you're messing with this just to save a few bucks. If, if for the for the guys that are listening to this, if you're about to get married, don't agree to a mahar you know you can't pay. Don't do it. Don't mess with Allah's. You're not just messing with a family. You're messing with Allah's law. Be straight up and say, I cannot pay that. And when you are going to pay, then you have to pay. And this is where the word nihla will come in. Uh, and listen to what Ibn Ashur says. Actually, let me finish reading this, then I'll tell you. Al-mahru alamatun ma'rufatan bayna nikahi wa bayna al-mukhadana. He says, this is the mahar, which is... The word is saduqat in this ayah, saduqat, which I haven't translated yet. This word, the marriage gifts, I'm, I'm for now calling it marriage gifts. But we're going to dig deeper into this. This is the distinctive feature that separates Islam or a, 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 a blessed union between a man and a woman and an illicit relationship. He says this is the defining separation between a blessed relationship and an illicit relationship. Then he says, um, Oh, we, we did the one thing, I already explained that to you. Now let's talk about what this word actually means. It's actually, the, the this is, saduqat uh, is the plural of the word saduqa. And saduqa comes from the word sidq, which actually means truth. This word actually means truth. And it's called saduqa because you promised the girl that you'll pay her this money and now you're being true to your word and it's making the marriage true. It's making the marriage true. So this word, you know what's crazy? That's what this word means. It's tied to sadaqa, right? Or saduqa and from, from sidq. And what have we turned it into? We've turned it into sadaqa. <laughs> We've turned it into optional charity. Like we're doing the, 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 the woman a favor. No, you're not. First of all, you don't owe her. You owe Allah. It's the same as zakat. It's the same as inheritance. When you're fulfilling the proportions of inheritance, you're not giving the, the recipient father, brothers. You're not giving them. You're giving to what is owed to Allah because it's Allah's law, not their law. Once you agree to it, this financial transaction has nothing to do with the person receiving it. It, ha it is a transaction between you and fulfilling me and fulfilling the, the law of Allah. That's all it is. There's no personal, personal feelings involved. You understand? And if there are, then we don't understand that this is actually an obedience to the law of Allah. Now, so Allah could have said, now let me erase some of this and show you something. That would have been enough. If Allah said, give women their marriage gifts. That's it. That's all you have to say. Give women their marriage gifts. But after saying give women their marriage gifts, saduqat, the ones that prove the truthfulness of this relationship, he added the word nihlatan. This, this is a hal. And I won't go into the Arabic of it because it's it's heavy stuff. It's a hal which comes as a mustar, which is a, a, an extreme form of mubalagha for my Arabic students. Inshallah, one day we'll cover that in detail. But for now, nihlatan. Some of you might be familiar. There's a surah in the Quran called An-Nahl. The bee. Okay, so what does a bee have to do with this word nihda? I'm not translating it yet. Then the Arab says qamar. Qamar. My handwriting gets uglier as the night passes. Qamar nahil, which means a delicate moon. 
the moon you can barely see. Qamar Nahil. They say Saif Nahil. Some of you might know Saif means sword. Saif Nahil is a uh, a brittle sword. They say Jism uh, Nahil. For a body, like a, a, phys a person, a body ready to collapse. Weak. Weakened by exhaustion. They say they use it for that. Jamal uh, Nahil. Let me put it up here. Jamal Nahil. That's that's found in Arabic literature. Jamal Nahil is actually mahzum. It's it's a weakened camel. Can't walk anymore. All of these words have to do with weakness, yeah? Breaking, something breaks off easily, a camel collapses easily, a body falls off, falls off easily, a bee releases the honey easily. There's a release of energy, there's a release of life, there's release, 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 an easy release. The word is being used to describe the way in which the dowry should be given. There should be no argument, complaint, there should be no... Seriously, why do you have to, you know, you, you know how life is hard, right? You know I love you, right? Isn't love enough of a mahar? <laughs> Nah, nah, it ain't. No, you have to. You have to be easy in your release of the nahl. That's a commandment from Allah. So here's a commandment from Allah where it isn't just do this, right? It's what to do. But the nihlatan adds to the commandment. This is what you must do, and this is how you must do it, right? So you, you don't normally have in the commandments of Allah a what and a how. You just have a what, right? And then the how can be good quality, bad quality, but at least you got the, the what done, right? But here he says what to do and how to do it. The atun nisa asaduqati hinna is what to do. And the nihlatan is how to do it. Do it in a delicate way. Do it in a way that express shows your weak. Don't, don't do it in a bullying way. Don't do it in a nagging way. Don't do it in a sarcastic way. And you cannot, I'm not allowed in Sharia, you're not allowed as a man that if once the, the mahar is agreed on that you try to renegotiate it. You're not allowed. That's a violation of nihla. And that's a violation of the word saduqat that I put here previously. It's a violation of those words. We're not allowed to do that. The reason I put this in this series, and I, I thought about it for myself and, and, and for all of you and our families, you know, we have children that will get married one day. We have friends and family that get married. This is an important conversation because Allah says in this same surah, Allah wants to make your burden lighter for you. All the laws Allah has given is to remove burdens. If you don't do this right, then you might see the consequences of this, this later on in your life. Because when we violate Allah's commands, the doors to rizq and barakah and blessings and protection close. Then you're, you don't be surprised when your business is collapsing. Don't be surprised when you're the first one to get laid off. Don't be surprised that all of a sudden you got started getting back pain. Like there are other dimensions of your life where you think there's no cause and effect with this, but one violation will actually open the door to so many problems, you won't even realize where those problems are coming from. Save yourself from those problems and don't toy with the law of Allah. Don't close the doors of Allah's blessings to you. And so I'll end, end quickly with this ayah. But I, I didn't go into detail at all in the ayah, but just, just so we have the complete translation of the ayah. And if out of their own good free will, they give you something, then you can eat it. Hani and Maria carefree. In other words, let's just hypothetically say that I agree to give, you agree to give $100 in, in dowry, right? And then you paid it. 
And once you pay it, don't stare at it. It's gone. It's been released. And once it's been given, but by the way, that, that literary connection to the bee and also the sweetness of it, meaning there's a sweet way in which it is released, etc. It's all, it's all there. But once you gave it, then the, the wife looks, it takes the hundred dollars, and then she says, Here's here's two dollars, go get yourself an ice cream or something. She says that. Then you can't say, No, astaghfirullah, this is Allah's right over me, and I have to no, no, no. Allah says, chill out. You did your part. Now, if she on her own, not because you were staring and drooling at the hundred bucks, not because you were you made a sad puppy face, not because oh times are really hard and you're trying to allude to the fact that. Not because of that. On their own, on their own entirely, if out of their own goodness, they decided to spend some of it on you, that's on them. You can't put direct or indirect pressure on them. Money does matter in Islam. Money is related to spirituality. And so many of our dramas and crises in our families have to do with money. And have to do, and it's, it's um, politically incorrect to say, but it's a reality. So many Muslim families that are now uh, parents or grandparents now. And if you have the hard conversation with those parents, hey, so what did dad give you? What did grandpa give you for mahar? Well, they agreed to this. Did they give it? No. What? They, they never gave the mahar? What did Ibn Ashur say? He said, this is the distinctive quality between an illicit relationship and marriage. May Allah preserve those marriages. But we have made a joke out of the giving of the mahar, and in so many women don't even know what their parents agreed to. Like the parents negotiated the mahar and she's out of the conversation. That is a violation of the Qur'an. Qur'an is saying, Atun nisa, sadukati hinna. Their gift, they have to decide what the mahar should be. They have the exclusive right. The families don't. If she's not old enough to figure that out, she's not smart enough to get married. If you think you have to decide that for her, then she has no business getting married. But if, she, if you think she's ready for marriage, then she's an adult and she has to make that decision herself and she has to be given that, that, uh, that freedom. And so does the, the, the guy. The guy has to make that decision. The family can't decide that for him. He has to pay it. It's his shari'i obligation. It's his obligation to Allah. So we have to you know, bring the sacred back into our relationships. And when we bring that sacred back into our relationships, then the blessings of the sacred will also return back into our relationships. Thanks a lot for listening, you guys. I know it's really late. Barakallahu wa alaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How cool. How cool. I know.